Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. And special thank you to our lovely patrons that help donate so that we can pay the editor to remove the swear words and silly things we say. Massive thank you to... Carlos Campos. Art Faulkner. Sam Dharma. Mikey Dread. On with the show. Let's Drone Out. Hello, and you're listening to Let's Drone Out. Tonight, you're joined by Stephen. Hello. Everyone's favourite curry kitten. Hello. Got too hot. Taking this off. Carry on. Oh, ladies. And a dab. Oh. Frank. The dad bod. Give, give us a dab. No. Good evening. All right. <laughs> my hands are staying family in my hoodie pockets where they won't... Well, we can't see them. They could be anywhere. Go cold. He's playing with cold, himself. Yeah. yeah, clearly. And before anyone else quits from verbal abuse, here's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Andy RC. I said sorry loads of times. I don't know what else I can do. It'd be interesting to get a definition of verbal abuse versus the normal verbal diarrhea, which is what the <laughs> yeah. show is. Speaking of, of, of quads and Andy RC. An impromptu segue into quadcopters. I noticed uh, recently that Runcam Slick. released a new camera and it appeared to bear a striking resemblance not to the MIPI that I've got, which misses the back and the cable falls off unless you put a bit of tape on it, but to the new, the new and shiny Runcam. I can't see where I've written it, but it's something new. Um, the Runcam Link. Runcam are now officially selling a Vista unit with their own camera, calling it the Link, and it's got a little mm-hmm. plastic plate on the back like andy's one so i believe andy may have been the first to uh maybe not realize it but review the new run cam product yeah yeah i hadn't noticed that when i assumed you were going to talk about the peanut mm. which is the other new camera the cadex peanut yeah which, which, is which the... I've, I've mentioned but i haven't watched any reviews on because i just assumed it was like the uh, the 360 go version two, two. Yeah, yeah, it's the 360 Go version 2, but with a a charging bit so that you can basically wire it into your quad and it can be charged up as it goes as well. And it's got a longer recording time, so it can do half an hour rather than the whatever the default is, like five minutes or something. And they've sneakily made it so the little magnetic clip on the back that doesn't go on your existing Cadex Go cameras because the moulding's slightly different, the mm. sneaky so-and-sos. So you can't just buy the magnetic clip on, put it on your existing camera because it, it'll slide off. Ooh. So uh, I suppose you could like Dremel out a, a notch. Yeah. Just gaffer tape it on it, be fine. Speaking of camera brands, so that's Runcam and Cadex. The, the mm-hmm. other one, Foxeer, have also debuted a camera called the Apollo, which apparently is going to appear. They've done the will release on Facebook, but not put up a product page thingamajig. Uh, and they just sort of popped out a post a day or so ago on that. 
It's kind of irritating the way people do that. Release stuff on Facebook and not actually explain what it is. But that's today's world. That's that's what they don't pay reviewers for, along with all the manuals and support generally. Product documentation that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a JPEG on a Facebook group. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's JPEG, what they need to do. Luxury. Back in my day, <laughs> we used to live in street, eat cold gravel. It was just ASCII art, if you were lucky. And ASCII art with misaligned stuff halfway through the art. Had to have exactly um, the right number of pixels. Exactly. So I guess because I've started on this impromptu hardware waffle, I'll continue on the impromptu hardware waffle. Um, there's some new SharkBite stuff. SharkBite is hitting one watt at last, so people can use it for things other than racing. And they're supposed to be doing uh, a slightly smaller 20 mil VTX because they had this 20 millimeter one that was a joke. Like it's 20 millimeters, but it sticks out two centimeters behind the board, so you can't fit it in any stacks. So they're releasing one that's smaller. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Camera controls. Are they any yeah. good yet? Because admittedly, I used the the one before. It was the the sort of. Uh, pre-release one and uh, it felt like you needed one watt just to get like whatever you get a lot VTXs of sparkles making 200 trees. milliwatts yeah i see a lot of sparkles and quite distracting sparkles because they're like full brightness they're they're proper right. squares aren't they rather than little sparkles you can see exactly how their encoding works when it when it breaks up because they're they're not just dots but they're small tiles it's like a corrupt jpeg with little corrupt tiles out of it yeah, it seems I think to me like that, you could you could do better there because it's like okay, well that tile is this color, that tile is this color, that tile is this color. We can just interpolate the other information and get it a little bit better. Yeah, than they're doing I think at the they're, moment. they're not going frame by frame though. They're they're literally going line by line, which is why they're a bit a bit dumb. But yeah, I agree. It would be nice if they just made a tile sort of the same color as the ones around it instead of bright white. Well, looking nice. at the the poll at the moment, I mean the. Uh, because we've, we've got a poll going on in the YouTube chat at the moment uh, of which HD FPV system would people be either own or be most likely to go for. Uh, the current leader at 43% is analog forever. Um, the, in second place is Sharkbite. And then uh, joint third are DJI and OpenHD. And that's like... Exact opposite of what I would have expected from that poll, so that's interesting. Well, that's I think that the cost is definitely a big problem. I wonder how many people did pick up a Shark Bite El Cheapo system when they went to that half price deal and instantly sold out because there were a few mm. of them in the UK. It'd be interesting to hear if anyone's picked one up and if they have any success with it. Yeah, because like that was quite the reasonable price, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like 80 quid for the module. It's cheap, cheaper than a, a good analog module, cheaper than your uh, Fusion or um, Rapid Fire modules. Mm, but, like, weren't you saying something about, like, the technology's limited and, uh, you know, that's all they can kind of do with it? Or do you reckon they'll come out with something else? I think these Divamath guys, they want to make a show of it. And the the guy behind it, made a pretty impassioned speech about like oh, i've been an engineer electrical engineer all my life i just want to do something that moves the industry along instead of using like late 80s cctv camera technology to, to do fpv so i think he he wants to leave some legacy behind 
Um, obviously, starting making a chip is is a pretty big endeavor, and they seem to have done it using a really inefficient process that takes a lot of power, and the chip itself is physically huge. So I think it will get better if people get on board and they start to make it smaller and not take as much energy, you know, not run as hot. could be pretty great. Mm, how hot is hot, right? Are you talking active cooling or heat sink or...? Well, there were reports of lots of them failing early on, weren't there? Uh, and then they kind of scaled back to this 200 milliwatt version. So I think that there's some heat issues they've got to sort out there. Because clearly the, the encoder plus the power amplifier is taking a fair bit of power draw. Mm. Have mm -hmm. any of you guys been flying lately? Me? Yeah. I actually yep. flew yesterday for the first time in forever. Well done. Oh, Congratulations. I was very impressed with myself. Thank you. It wasn't a very long flight. It was to test out one of the little uh, Happy Model PP receivers, uh, which mm. are the teeny tiny ones with a ceramic antenna. So I shoved it inside an old toothpick that I didn't like anymore because that used to have an SPI receiver. And if I got more than about 10 metres behind myself, the RSI would drop below 20. And I thought this would be a good test to see if ELRS shoved inside it without any antenna or, or be a ceramic one could do better. The answer was it could... And I ran out of my usual spot where, if, if anybody's seen my videos, there's this sort of thin area a between corridor. trees that I can go up and down. It's mm. a corridor. So I went to the end, and it was still at 6100 on the LQ. So I went to the other end behind me, and it didn't move either. So then I tried flying out over the trees as far as I could, um, forgetting slightly that when you're in a big corridor full of big trees and you go that way, and then the wind blows oh, you God. over... That can be problematic for the VTX <laughs> point of view. And it's like, it's very snowy all of a sudden. And when I turn around, it's like, oh, the, the that corridor's over there. But I managed I managed to get far um, before I, then I noticed it was at like 10 volts. And what power are you running? Back. 3S. Your radio app. Your radio. Oh, oh. my radio, 100, 100 milliwatts. Oh, right. It'll go for days on 100 milliwatt, yeah. Yeah, I, I was using the Nimimno module, so I could have put it up to a watt if I wanted to. So, but You've been practicing I have, saying that, haven't you, Gary? I, I didn't have any battery. I, I cocked it up twice on my video, I did. <laughs> but I would have run out of battery. So, yeah, I managed to get it back. Um, I can... Uh, my, my video basically says it's magic. It's a little magic receiver. You put it in something small, and you will never have to worry about range, ever. Because yeah. I think we were at this situation where VTXs have got really good and it was going the wrong way. Basically, we were able to outfly our video. No, yeah. our video was able to outfly our control mechanism, which is just useless because you're like, I'm going really well. Plum, falls out the sky. Now, at least, we can outfly the video again. So you're going along. It should be the case of all. Oh, video's getting a little bit snowy if you're on good old analog. I'll turn around and come back, and you've got all the power in the world to do that on your radio, which is the right way around. But, yeah, I was really, really impressed. I'm, I'm looking forward to testing out my, um, my other new quad that I built with um, a, a proper antenna on uh, an ELRS receiver, because yeah. that should go plenty of, plenty I, of room. I was actually flying on 100 milliwatt for a while in the park and having really bad range, and then I realized, because I was using one of these X-Lite antennas, it has a it has an RPSMA. It doesn't have a pin in it. So I didn't actually ah. have the antenna connected. <laughs> and I, I was still flying just fine. <laughs> is, is, does that screw up your uh, your transmitter a bit? If it, if well, that load it, it wasn't happy. Nowhere. Luckily, I didn't I didn't crank up the power to try and solve the problem. So I think the uh, power amplifier stayed in the world of the living. That was good. Oh, oh, dear. Yeah. Have, you, have you got the adapter for that? 
adapter. The, I, I just yeah. dropped, I dropped a pin in it and soldered a pin in the middle. <laughs> I have to say, that, is that that's the that's the X light right. antenna, isn't it? Yeah, it's cute. You don't need much Wait. more than that. Put that on the T light. It's all right. When I tested that against the regular antenna, I honestly didn't see a difference. I thought, oh, this I just is got it good. It was small and it'd get out of the way. Yeah, but no, it's yeah. smaller, so that's good. It doesn't poke out as much. Yeah, I wanted something that fitted into the bag without snapping off, so that guy fits. But yeah, it comes without the one without a pin. I think it's RPSMA that they put the pin on the. Uh, on the threaded connection on the radio instead of on yeah. there, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's a legal thing, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, like if a CE thing, everything should be RPSMA. Why FR Sky do this and no one else in the industry does? It just blows my no, mind a little um, bit. No, like Ghost had to as well. Really? Oh, mm. yeah, to get their CE mark. There's a there's a comment in the chat I've just seen saying uh, got a Tango two this week and within an hour of it arriving I'd already opened it up and installed an ELRS module. Long that's failsafe, isn't it? Yeah, well, yes, built. I was going to say that, that's that's great and everything, but coming from someone whose name is Failsafe FPV, <laughs> I'm not sure that's got quite it's the, the impact you that my, you were hoping for. He's the guy who made my module um, with the uh, <laughs> survivable power amplifier, so he knows what he's doing. <laughs> it's another thing I liked about Express RS. I was using the TBS Net Mambo with a Nimimno module and a Happy Model receiver. Everything plays nice together. I was yeah. I was quite happy about that. Happy Model made me happy. Speaking of which, with another natural segue, mm. we've all been com- complaining. Oh, ALRS is good for everything except planes. What about the planes? Won't someone remember the fixed wing guys with their need for eight full range PWM channels? And yes, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. well, Maytech have released their own range of receivers, so it's not by some off brand, um, like Banggood brand. A lot of stuff has appeared on Banggood. If you look for Express LRS on Banggood, you'll see JEH, MCU, HGLRC. Everyone has started to produce versions of those little happy model receivers or something that's like the Beta FPV. They follow some distinct types because they're all basically using the same blueprints. But now the real big guns have got in on the action, and we've seen Matek come out with a couple of modules that are supposed to be arriving mid-October. Um, and they're doing... One that looks like the Beta FPV with a UFL, and one that includes uh, an antenna switcher with two antennas for diversity. And along with that, they're releasing a board that does uh, CRSF to PWM. Well, two boards that do that, one small one and one big one with a current meter on it. And uh, they both take VBAT, so you can get your VBAT telemetry back. So they speak CRSF, which is the -the on-the-wire protocol that all these ELRS modules use. You slap your ELRS module onto this PWM adapter, get your PWM channels out, and it'll send back your battery voltage and your, your current usage. Okay. Do, we, do we know price points yet? I'm, I'm still thinking, like, you can get a tracer receivers, six PWM channels for, like, less than 30 quid. It's true. It's true. Um, I'm not sure what the pricing is going to be. So far on Banggood, all of the receivers are coming in about the 15 quid mark which is is strange. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but on I used to shop on Banggood all the time because you just couldn't beat their pricings. But now I'm seeing UK resellers beating Banggood. Um, and obviously, you know, you may be paying a, a couple of quid for shipping to get it via Royal Mail, but you're getting it a lot quicker and you don't have to deal with Banggood and their um, dubious customer service. Or in, importing at the moment. Like, who who wants to risk 
like getting something imported and it might take six weeks and you might get a stupid yeah. amount of money charged for holding something up if there's some bit of paperwork not right. Like, no, not doing that at the moment. I'm giving that another year before I order direct from China. Yeah, I, mean, I do it ordering bulk on Ali, but that's about it. I know this is a bit non-sequitur, but uh, excuse me for a minute. I The L key on my keyboard's broken off, and for weeks mm-hmm. I have been without an L key, and I, I, I need to buy an L key. I'm sorry. <laughs> Talk amongst yourselves. How, you can buy how it is it buy that sets an of key L key caps, randomly breaks off? What have you and done? where does it go if not on your desk? Did you eat it? No, it's because it, of it? how much he's just like space bearing LDO and no, no, LAC. Look, look the, mm. the the cap is is broken. My G and H keys are melted. If you get some, uh, if you get some weird text from me in the chat, it's me removing. It's that not key. normal for your keys to melt under normal use. I have to say, well, that. It's Jack, you're not even meant to use your keyboard Look. as your soldering iron stand. We've gone. Over I am this. a heavy typist, and I have I've sprung off my shift and control keys from slamming them, but I've not actually managed to snap the. The key in half, like Jack did. That's that's an impressive it's sort of weird gamer rage quit video where he picks up the keyboards. Mum. <laughs> so suggestions in the chat, please. If you know a good set of keycaps for the stronger typist, or you could just yeah, buy maybe. a new keyboard from Amazon for like three quid. No, I like this one. Although, well, be warned, know, last no time it's I defective. ordered a new keyboard from Amazon, it came it, and it was uh, an Italian one. Lots of Italian accents on things. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the, an update on the poll in the chat. Uh, DHI is, is coming up. It's, it's coming up and level with Sharpbyte. Yeah. Mm. OpenHD is now trading. DJI fanboys have arrived. Mm-hmm. The rich people. But analog is still way ahead. Mm-hmm. I just like these polls because I would totally have clicked analog and DJI because there's no way I'm going to piss around and put DJI on something that's like a three-inch quad. It's too heavy, and decasing it is just going to smash it to pieces. I think there's room for more than one. What did uh, what did everybody else fly? What did Stephen and Frank fly? So I, I went to the park over lunch to de-stress uh, and um, just found a little spot under some trees and flew my silly little toothpicks, uh, little micros, nothing impressive. Just a little bit of light acro messing around. I went out and because uh, I don't think, I think this was before the last uh, before the last show, but I wasn't on the last show. So uh, I went out and flew my thrust vector wing, which was... Ooh. Terrifying. Uh, Have you got video this time? No, I don't. I don't take cameras. We did see a video of your trembling hands, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just like tape a phone to your head and look at it that way. That would work. Anything. Yeah, I'm not going to. He's standing there with a thrust vectored (laughs) wing, attracting attention. The last thing he needs to do is be the guy who's gaffer taped the phone to his head. He's just gonna. He's gonna get questions anyway. (laughs) It just it, it completes the look. Mad mm. scientist. Mm-hmm. Mm. But yeah, it uh, it's it's quite fast, and 
it, I mean, it was stable enough. I could keep it going in the same direction for a while, but it's, it's unsurprisingly very sensitive. Um, are, you, are you using Betaflight or something to do this and treat it like a quad? It's in Arduplane. Well, Ooh, sort of. Ambitious. It's, it's a, a tail sitter in Arduplane. Mm. All the good experimental stuff's in Arduplane, isn't it? Let's face it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is the thing is I couldn't work out a way in either Betaflight or iNav to have uh, it stabilize itself as a wing and stabilize itself as a bicopter. Whereas there is a specific tail sitter VTOL um, quad plane, I think is the, the name in Arduplane that can specifically do that. So I'm like, I'll have a go at that. Yep. Because in Arju Pilot, there's going to be things like flying dodecahedrons and God knows what. Yeah. Uh, turns out Arju Pilot is quite tricky. Uh, I haven't really got my head around it still, but Arduplanet I've got it flying. It's fine as long as you can get past the compass thing, which I never seem to manage. All I do is look at the screen. 100% of the time, it's telling me that the compass health is not good. And it's at a hadoop of 1.1 and needs to be 1.0 constantly, no matter what I do. I've had five minutes of flying correctly with Arduplanet and the rest of it like being just it yelling at me about stuff. Is Arduplanet the one where you need things on very specific ports and you, you can't configure them to other ports? Uh, it kind of depends on what hardware yeah. you've got. But um, it's it's kind of fussy about certain things, certainly. It is, de- and, and it's- if you want to change something, it, Frank, this is why Frank loves it. It's like calling up a spreadsheet. It's like, what do I want to do? I want this function. Yeah. It comes down with a load <laughs> of things, columns, stuff, things to annotate, and yeah, it's like I want to link this to the cosine of my RC rate, and off you go. Well, oh, it's it's not that straightforward. It's not like you can just arbitrarily <laughs> put in functions. Yeah. It's not, it's not that like simple. you know what any of the functions do. That would be easy. <laughs> They're named after the developers who wrote them, and nothing else. Yeah, it's it's uh, Yeah, it takes a lot of reference material to work out what's going on. I still haven't been able to get to the point where I'm confident that the failsafe will do what I expect it to do, because the the sort of the basic understanding seems to be that the failsafe should like that it's that it's an autonomous vehicle that you occasionally have radio control of. It's not expecting you to be like kill the plane when you don't have radio control. So it trying to tell it like if if I turn my radio off, turn the motor off, please. It doesn't like that. It doesn't doesn't seem to. It's not just like no. I will drop. ascend to a safe altitude and wait for further commands. Exactly. <laughs> One of the funniest memories I have from our meets is my friend was using Arduplanet in his uh, Skywalker. If you remember from the Halloween episode, this is the same person that expected it to go into failsafe and instead it just, I'll go into uh, horizon mode or whatever it was and it went off and almost hit that very <laughs> high voltage electricity pylon. <laughs> so the funniest thing he had, because he, he was really keen on trying stuff out and it had his auto launch feature and there wasn't much documentation about it other than you put it in auto launch and you move the plane and it would start going. 
but him moving the plane involved him running about half the distance, like 200 metres down the field, and then all oh, the motors have started. I'm going to throw it. Like, well, you're all the way over there. And uh, it was it was equally as funny on the auto landing, where I think the software actually fought with itself because it's coming down to land, it's coming down to land, it's coming down to land. Is it going to? And suddenly it starts going upwards again, and it's like. As far as we could figure, it was like it was landing, but the software also then thought it was stalling and tried to come out of the stall, but also <laughs> try and land at the same time. And it's just, it was not happy at all. Yeah, it's, and then it's got Exciting a whole like then. simulator that you can, you can, like not as in that you're flying it simulator, but that as you can ask it to simulate what it would do in particular situations. But that is, again, like that's a whole other level of things to try and learn. It's, you know, I might just give up and be like, I can just fly acro, it's fine. Um, you, you could just put control. put beta flight on it and pretend it's a quad and just like yeah. run it run it full throttle and the wind's a bonus, you know? <laughs> yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um but yeah, that's that's so that was quite fun. And then while I was uh trying to get the shakes under control after flying that, I took out the uh uh, head tracking pan. Well, it's not head tracking at the moment, but uh, pan uh, oh. powered glider um, that I bought wait, from wait. Chris G. Pan powered glider? You mean no? You no, like no I mean, you have to go like that. It makes it go. Yeah, so a That's powered your... glider <laughs> with a FPV panning, like not a pan right, tilt, okay. but just a pan. Has anyone uh, ever done that? A head tracker to actually like yaw and pitch? Yeah, yeah. That's 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 fairly standard in in the FPV the scale FPV people. That's what they do quite often. What look <laughs> like looks are controlled by? Oh, yeah. to actually control the yaw. Yeah, yeah, that's um, what I mean. Yeah, yaw, yaw and pitch on on the head trackers. <laughs> Mm. Can you imagine? We did have an idea, me me and this same friend again, who always came up with interesting ideas. If we both had head trackers connected to the same radio, one of us would do pitch and roll, and the other (laughs) one would do throttle and yaw. But we couldn't figure out how to connect two head trackers into one control and to sort of mux it through Mm. us. We couldn't do it. We thought that would be hilarious. It would be a short but entertaining video, (laughs) basically (laughs) trying to control the plane. Yeah, two elderly men dancing what appears to be a strange form of the Macarena in the middle of the field. Someone, please take the image of Curry and make a gif of him dancing. That's not even proper dad dancing. I can be much more embarrassing than that. Oh, I think someone accepted my offer for an LG on eBay. <laughs> oh, no. No, I decided to, to get experimental as well, and I uh loaded up that Alka Motors AM32, the alternative uh, firmware for Beale Heli 32 ESCs, because I I've, I've bought a crawler and then obviously decided that nothing about it was right and proceeded to dismantle it and kind of add extra bits into it. So it's it's waiting for a new motor right now. And I got an iFlight uh, Suxx ESC knit in here to replace its properly janky ESC because I, I get really annoyed when looking at cars, and, and they all say, oh, this ESC is good to 3S. It'll do like 60 amps, but only 3S. Um, so I wanted something that I could run sensible lipos on. Um, yeah, it's pretty interesting, actually. Pretty interesting. He's added all sorts of crazy stuff to the firmware for, for vehicles. So you can use your Beale Heli 32 ESC 
to do crawlers and RC cars. And it's got, you know, the, the, the two touch reverse. So you do one for brake and then second to pull back on the throttle to go into reverse. Um, and he's got sinusoidal startup. So like smooth startup and then moves out of uh, sinusoidal mode when it reaches a certain speed. And you can override the stall thing. So there's you can choose to either work like a quad where you don't burn your motors out. And if something hits the prop, it just stops the motor. Or you can have a kind of a crawler approach, which does the opposite. And you can have behavior so that when something is pushing back against the motor, it slowly actually increases the drive power until the motor starts turning again. So lots of neat stuff there. Mm. Thank you, Win. Wynn says, Beach Flight Rescue does my head in. Yes, it rescues, but it will land, come down where it likes, normally nowhere near you. Nice seeing you all at Western Park. Oh, Don't thanks, forget, Wynn. the it's idea of Beach Flight Rescue is not to have it come back and land brackets crash at you. It's just yeah. when it comes back into signal, take it out of rescue and, and land it. Beach Flight Rescue is put my quad near me and nothing more than that. It's like, I want my quad near me as opposed to where I currently lost the signal. It's um, more frightening than that, because it's essentially, I'm going to crash right at you. It's yeah. like, take it out before it gets you normally. Else, else oh, and if you engage it under the distance limit, it will fail safe as well. That's the thing people really need to remember about beta flight uh, rescue. It's not rescue until you're more than 100 metres away by default. If you're less than 100 metres away from yourself, default. it doesn't believe that it knows where you are, and it's just going to fail safe when you hit GPS rescue. So... Um, yeah, testing is a good idea with that one. Fun times. Well, we need to do a bonus pod. Maybe we could chat to, to win about that in the bonus. Yeah. If he's got a video as well. Yeah, man. We'll uh, we'll discuss it and chat about it if uh, he's up for chatting to us. This episode was recorded in front of a live online audience, downloaded and edited to make sense when it's played audio only, censored to please the iTunes people, hosted on the internet, forwarded through to your podcast provider, downloaded, playing on your device, and is now playing in your ears, all thanks to our Patreons. Consider joining them and you'll also get other online benefits. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash let's drone out. Curry, have you experimented with your crawler any time recently, speaking of crawlers and things? No, I mean, I replaced the camera on it not long ago, so it was a bit better, um, and I've sort of messed with it indoors. I keep meaning to... Um, I wrote this little thing to do basically driving over the net where we're sending little amounts of packets so people could, like, do stuff. And I keep wanting to get that plugged in, but I can't make that run on any of the multi-protocol modules. So one of my things to do is to take a multi-protocol module and put it in debug mode and uh, try and work out what the bind sequence is to see if I can get it added to the list of things it will work on if I if I explain the sort of data I'm getting. I've literally found the only radio receiver that doesn't seem to work on any of the multi-protocol module uh, protocols, which is really weird, wow. even though it's listed as one of the ones that should. What, what is it? It is, it is, where is it? It's not around here. It's um, this thing Hobby King had called the Rockstar Basher. It's a little 124th crawler, and it uses, what is AF2S something? It's one of the FlySky, allegedly one of the FlySky protocols it should use, but doesn't seem to work. Non-conforming. Can't, can't get it to bind at all. You just put a, a, quad, put a quad in there, a quad RX. 
Yeah, I would do, but it's it's got a single board in there which has the um, the ESCs and the receiver and everything oh. else built in. So it's not it's not something you can just simply. It'd be nice and easy if you just swap out the receiver easily. But there's yeah. some extra hardware in there which makes it a bit the of a pain. Five wire servos and stuff that they put in there, almost yeah. as if they want to stop you from doing anything interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I do it's, have it's, a spare it's car usually the case of it. The fact that they've just, you know, they've built it to a, a price and a scale, and it's mm. convenient. But it's it's when you want to do things differently, it, it just all breaks. Yeah, the number of people on car forums they're like, oh, so I wanted to upgrade my motor, and then I needed to upgrade my ESC, but the ESC connect the ESC is built into the receiver, so I had to get a new receiver, and the servo is a five wire one, and so I had to change that to a three-wire one. So I went to wanted to change one component, and I had to rip out the entire guts of this, everything down to the rolling chassis, and just replace everything. Seems to be yeah, well pretty common. Again. Yeah. The uh, the the poll in the chat, uh, more people have been going for the DJI. It's is way overtaken truck by now, and it's catching up with analog. <sighs> oh no. <laughs> I'll tell you what else I found when I was flying yesterday. Um, I've forgotten how bad a bad camera is. Now it's the, you know, the sun is slightly lower in the sky now. During mm-hmm. the height of summer, it was like up high and everything's good. As soon as you got, and I was using like a little horrible toothpick review from 2019, which had a Cadex EOS 2 in it, which is fine unless you're heading towards the sun through the trees, basically I got like this this sort of tiny view and everything else was black. That was that was bad. I'm so glad about better cameras now. Wasn't that the generation of Cadex cameras that managed to make the grass slightly purple? Yes, it did have a very was it purpley? It was it was certainly an orangey purpley tinge to it. Like and that EOS two was on like every single yeah. Um, simple bind and fly quad that was coming out of China at that time because it was quite small um, and it wasn't bad under good conditions. But like literally every toothpick, every whoop that was coming out was like, oh yeah, that's got, oh look, it's a Cadex EOS 2 again. I must have like 20 of them in various models and stuff kicking around. Yeah, they're pretty bad cameras. It was really nice when Cadex moved to the Rattel because it's just not in the same league at all. Totally Love different class of camera. So, so good. Tell you what else uh, happened recently. Uh, Lurgy finished his record-breaking flight from uh, LDONO of uh, five weeks from take launch to, to landing. Uh, admittedly, the vast majority of that was in a tree, but uh, in pretty good nick. Like, it's, it's, it's Looks like a wing. Yeah. It's still wing shaped. Uh, all it's it's had some damage on a servo. Uh, it's collected some bird poo, and it's uh, lost. Well, a winglet has come loose. But apart from that, it's pretty good. It's in pretty so good. So, did nicket, you though. just have to wait for the weather to encourage it out of the tree, or did someone? Yeah. Do so the, the the goat herders. Uh, I said that they they found it and. I would probably know what to do with it. Uh, and they were right. Uh, as it landed. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Some damage to a servo. That's pretty good for five weeks stuck up a trip. No <laughs> wing left behind. Yeah, exactly. That's more like it. 
Nibble boards in it. Is there a board? Is that the receiver? I think he got the battery, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he the, battery the battery carried on on a ballistic trajectory uh, and could be recovered. F four eleven Matek wing is the board. You put a light on there to see if it lit up or uh, caught fire. I have not dared to. I'm I'm leaving that to (laughs) Lurgy. Maybe let it dry for a while. Mm -hmm. I do have. I've picked up a new product that I do. I I haven't got anything to test it out, and it is here. I will get a so, new product as well while you're doing that. Ooh. Yeah, we're not sponsored by these. Um, Allendale Ultrasonics.co.uk. Um, I was really, really impressed with their um, with their uh, ultrasonic flux remover. Um, so I picked up some uh, oxidation, oxidation and. Uh, yeah, oxidization removal ultrasonic solution from removing oxidation some metals, including iron, copper, aluminium, and stainless steel. Nice. So, yeah, Ooh. we can try some of that out. What? You're okay. using that what in is bath. in it? Just out of interest, is it just acid? Or like, what's what's in it? Horrible skin. Keep out of children's reach. Um, You're holding it. Yeah, this is our specially formulated concentrated solution for removing oxides from mechanical and machine parts. Oxidation and rust from metals. Concentrate is added to water at a rate of one part concentrate to ten parts water. We recommend using deionized and dematerialized water. Dematerialized uh, water. An like operating fun. temperature between 40 and 80 C. Always gas the solution prior to ultrasonic cl- uh, cleaning and change, regu- uh, change regularly to avoid cross contamination. So, so we it's apparently it. very corrosive. But, you know. Mm. Oh, click the wrong one. Hopefully, we can bring some chips. boards back. From, from the, uh, that's supposed to say don't store near fireworks, and I entirely agree. It's oh, probably not min- safe to have it. Demineralized, yeah, that's right. Sorry, no, I like dematerialized better. It's like I've yeah. got it. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> demineralized, yeah. Sorry. Well, my exciting product is in this box, and I will warn you Ugh. to shield your eyes because the color shocked me a little bit when I first got it out. Ooh, oh, my oh God! <laughs> wow. That is colourful, isn't it? This is kind of interesting because lots of people kept buying those Cine Whoops. And I was like, there's only about five or ten people around the country that must need this. Because unless you're filming professionally with a GoPro in places you can't use, like a regular quad, you don't need a Cine Whoop. And And people kept buying them, and I think they were doing it because they were thinking, oh, it'd be good if I crash it because it bounced off stuff. So this is actually built for those people. The idea of this... It's it's like a Cine Whoop, but it is been produced for basically going faster. And they say racing and light um, freestyle. And these are purely for protection against it hitting stuff and hurting itself. 
It's got those five-bladed props, which is supposed to be quieter. It's got a Cadex Retail 2 on it. Yay. And mm. an S7 flight controller. And it's called and it's the, a pusher. what was called. It's, yeah. Underneath, look. Mm. Nice. Which is different. So that, that'll be do, fun too. Do you get any uh, hassle taking out. off? If you're taking off from grass and leaves and stuff, do they get a bit jammed? or? I don't know yet. Yeah. It, it only came in the post. Was it today? I think it was today or yesterday. Yeah. What do you, what do you um, mean so, by pusher? So well, the motors go down instead of up are, from are, the arms. Downwards. So we're pushing ah. down there instead of the normal pulling up. Or I'll just fly upside down all the time, <laughs> I guess. Either way Super works. high angle. But they've done something very good degrees. as well. These, uh, this is not a, uh, an advertising part for a HTLC, but they've done some obvious things. If, if you've ever had a CineWoop, you will know that getting to the flight controller involves a very pathetic 90-degree right-angled USB connector in which you had to use a baby's hand to get it in and the tiny bendy metal bits which break off. They've just got a USB-C connector there. Isn't that a good idea? Mm. And it's so obvious. Why did nobody else come up with that? Because like everyone else didn't bother to design their quad. They just took bits out of parts bin. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, well done to HRC. Mm. Fortunately, it doesn't come in just these colours. What I thought they actually did, I thought, oh, they're trying to show me what colours it comes in by giving me this awful one. But this is a model called Mixed. That is an official model. You can order it like this. If it's, uh, you've got no taste or a colourblind and don't care. Well, you what won't have many problems with orientation, will you? Yeah, you'll know <laughs> orientation... <laughs> Well, normally orientation is like one colour at, at the front and one colour at the back. I would just like, hang on, yeah, is it more specific or is it is it purple pink? I don't. What know. happens or, if you're flying inverted, Curry? Now you can tell if you're flying your cine whoop inverted, you've still got perfect orientation. It's not a problem. Well, who knows? What was it called but, in the end? <laughs> it was called. I've forgotten it. Hang on. It's called the. I think it's called the race whoop something. Let's have a look. Race Route 30 is what it's called. Yeah, they do OVR the in the chat well. said Race Route. Yes, there, there's, there's been a Race Route 25 as well. This is the Race Route 30. And uh, I've got the 6S version. So I'm interested to see if it's really noisy and it actually does what it can do and uh, go fast without overheating. And then I'm going to crash it into some trees and nice. I'm actually going to pretend I did it on purpose. But I normally <laughs> crash into trees anyway. That's just one I of the things. I noticed that... They went small for a while. They went down to like two inch props and 40 mil props and all this silliness. And they've started to do cine whoops now with three and a half inch props. I think, uh, I think maybe HGLRC as well released one called the Terror. Was it? No, though, that was a Shendrones one with um, three and a half inch props on 2207, basically a five inch system with the cine whoop frame and three-and-a-half-inch props. So I wonder how long it is before we just see a five-inch quad with ducts and yeah. people like it's have been doing some... They've been doing some different... They haven't been doing Duct ducts. They, they did ones um, I reviewed not long ago, which had uh, sort of surrounds of the props, so you could still crash it into things without hurting it, but they weren't the full ducts. So it was just... And you, you could convert it to a, a proper non-protected one if you wanted to, which is quite cool. Quite like are they still idea. using the same duct material or have they kind of improved things to make them a bit more bendy and robust? This this stuff feels quite quite hard. I'm not sure what, what it is. They haven't they haven't gone with the normal sort of surrounds of like uh sort of more TPU? foamy stuff. Hmm. It's it's not TPU, it's not that flexible. It's is it written on it somewhere? No. 
it's probably available somewhere. But the, the idea is they don't they don't sort of think about crashing into people, so it's not foamed, and so that's I think a little bit better. There's there's less duct. I think I think there's going to be less resistance flying this one than the normal one. But I still, mm-hmm. as far as freestyle goes, because it's such a big area. I think it's still going to be weird to sort of roll around and put in a dive and stuff. It's probably still going to get a little bit jiggly coming down out of a dive and stuff, but we'll see. Yeah. If it ever stops raining, uh, I'll go out and fly it along with the other three models I've built over the last week because I've just been happily soldering away here, trying to get my stuff done while I've not been out doing anything. What receiver is it? It's, it's an XM+. Plus. Um, it came. It just came with that one. Else, I would have. I would have asked for something like uh, an ERS or a Crossfire or something. But that that'll do. That'll do the job. Hopefully, it's on the version one dot something firmware. Else, I'm going to have to reflash it or something annoying. Oh, we're still fighting that battle with FR Sky. Then, like version one, version two, version two point one. Pretty yeah. much. And then we can't get receivers and. Etc. Etc. Et and Radio Master getting told off. No I did buy a bunch of jumper FR Sky receivers, and they were quite good. And then I just got annoyed with FR Sky full stop and just ditched the protocol. Oh yeah, thank you, Richard Warwick. Richard Warwick is reminding me about the thing I couldn't remember, which is the Sector One Three Two and Sector One Fifty, which was the previous quad I was trying to talk about, which could have the ducks, but not ducks. They were just big sort of surrounds that could bounce off stuff, yes. and uh, and not. If you wanted to, uh, the, the the other thing while we were talking about radios, there was a load of stuff I saw you put in Stephen about HTX. Oh right, yeah. Um, uh, give me just a minute because there is a graphic involved here, graphic which I should probably show. So there was um, a call to people to to get involved, and there was a roadmap here. Um, give me a second here unprofessional um they wanted to get volunteers involved as well saying you don't just need to be a coder but they also want testers logo designers web designers um maybe if i can uh put this thing out here full screen this hit this magic powerpoint coming over oh my word you won't believe it it's not (laughs) not easy (laughs) yeah heads up heads up next time guys i'm not It's only one hour. With yeah. 14 and a half minutes of the show left. Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Right. So, right. monkeys. So, let's just zoom this up. So, they've actually produced a handy-dandy graphic. Apologies for our audio listeners. But right now, we're on this Dauntless release, and they're up to RC2 of Dauntless. So, they've effectively released HTX 2.4. That's history now. And the next release, 2.5, comes with the addition of customizable color schemes and themes, uh, a Lua Touch API. They're moving the core of it from their own kind of custom code base onto a free RTOS, which is apparently just going to mean it's much more extendable and easier to maintain. They're rewriting the ADC stuff. Um, Foreign language builds um, are being improved as well. Uh, They're adding the... FlySky Nirvana MV14 at last, um, but only the MV, only the external module. Um, there's going to be a touch keyboard for entering data as well. So that's, by the sound of it, going to come out quite soon because we're up to RC2, and I think they're doing about a release candidate a week so far, so they're making good progress. 
After that, they've got details of what they want to put into 2.6. And the big thing there is the rewrite of the configuration scheme, where they want to move away from this kind of companion-only thing to using companion to actually write a config file. So I think I mentioned this before, but the, the mm. behind-the-scenes detail right now is your radio program memory is serialized and just dumped like the entire memory and that is your config file which is not human readable and it's not something you can easily look at you need companion so if we go to yaml files it's just going to be human readable config lovely jubbly very easy um, they're bringing mavlink support there as well um, tbs tango 2 and the tbs mambo will arrive um, they're going to improve the flysky nirvana mv14 um, there's a few other bits and bobs I don't really know too much about. After that, it gets very fuzzy. But they're making some good progress, which is good. So I think a lot of people are worried this might be a flash in the pan and go nowhere. Um, the project seems to have some legs. So good on them is all I can say, and well done. Hmm. I love how Christmas edition. Yeah. They've got autumn equinox, winter solstice, spring equinox, and summer solstice. A very mm. pagan sort of affectation, which is interesting to see, instead of Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4, which is always a little bit boring and business-like. Mm. It's, it's pagan in one way, and then they've put the word Christmas in on the other, which is a bit... And then they've got darkness, <laughs> which comes Christmas from... Christmas um, and Winter Solstice. That Sorry. Mm -hmm. That series of films, which I can't remember. So to try and kind of decrypt some of these phrases into something I might understand. Uh, does Lua, Lua touch API, mm. does that just mean touchscreen support? Is that what that means? Yeah, touchscreen support for your Lua scripts. Because a, a lot of these radios now, uh, a, a lot of people weren't really fans of the jog dials, buttons, and every radio did it differently, which was not fun, moving between even variants of the uh, kind of T, TX16 to T16 to tx18 whatever they all had wheels and buttons in different places the the touch interface is i think a lot more intuitive for people who are new to the hobby um and that's going to now work for lua as well as the main system menus because obviously the lua scripts are, are completely outside of, of edge tx uh, and they were just relying on the keys even though the system was able to be configured using touch mm -hmm. i have to say bruce bruce was not a fan of the idea of the touch screen he complained that um, when somebody had it, he had to go off under a tree and try and look at the colour screen in order to try and figure out what was going on and give him a mono screen any day, and that was much better. How How is, how is the TX-16 in, in the light? Can you Is it usable? And the sunlight? I don't have one. I don't have one. I oh, can see it being easier for text hertz, aren't you? Yeah, I'm using a T-light, so I've got the little postage stamp screen. You I've got the TX-16, but it hasn't been sunny enough uh, since I've had it. <laughs> we, we don't have this problem in England. <laughs> yeah. not, in fact, we well, use yeah, it to light our way. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have so, not... I think it's, it's not been the problem. But, I mean, what, what was the other thing on here? I thought I might actually understand what's going on. Mavlink support. Yeah. I, I've, I've heard of Mavlink while going through all the Pilot stuff as like a, a protocol for telemetry right is so you well, can and send Mavlink packets back to the radio yeah. presumably and list all you can use it for command and control as well can't you i think it oh, forms true, like yeah. a full two-way telemetry link 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can you can completely fly a model with Mavlink if you want to and get telemetry yeah. back at the same time. So you can do your course plotting on the ground while the model's in the air and you can upload a mission via Mavlink to, to a model that's already flying. So all the press the, pressing the buttons on Mission Planner in ID Pilot going like, go to this waypoint or go to waypoint mode. That'll That's be a one. thing that you can do on, on your radio, on your touch screen. You can just be like drawing GPS courses and getting it to fly yeah, around them, right? I've wondered how long it's going to be before someone does a decent job of uploading maps onto a radio. I think you can kind of hack it and upload some image files and sort of make it work, but it would be really neat to, to have full maps. Although at that point, I think you might as well just have like Bluetooth to a tablet or something, right? Yeah. And just use something that's got a proper screen rather than a tiny. I screen. mean, that's that's always been my kind of ideal situation. Just like, just let my radio be a radio with like yeah. a couple of gimbals and a few switches, and do all the configuration on my phone. That would be much better. Like, I my phone is always going to be a better screen with better connectivity and battery and all of that than I want to pay for on a radio. Just, just. I do agree. I do agree. We should should be able to get a Bluetooth link from the radio to the phone, and it's going to be much easier to to do your typing and things. Although I think touch keyboard could be helpful on the radio. Mm. Yeah, I can see that being good. Well, it, it's going to be experimental, so who knows what they're going to come up with for two point seven and two point eight. Um, at least they're going to cover all the recently released radios, which are still sort of. Waiting for, I mean, how long did that Nirvana wait for OpenTX support? It was a, it was a long old time, wasn't it? It's quite interesting because one of the things um, that's running right now on the Mambo is FreedomTX because the stuff they want hasn't got into OpenTX yet. And it's going to be interesting to see if Edge beats yeah. it to get there because, of course, this uh, is limited to 250 hertz, as I found out. Although it came up saying, I'm running 500 hertz. When I had a chat with the Discord, they're like, no. Does it does two fifty? So I'll set it down. But yeah, so, so does my deviation radio. It says it runs five hundred hertz, but it's only actually getting the stick commands at two hundred fifty hertz. Yeah, it it was confusing. It's like it says it in the OSD. Look, it's saying LQ seven one hundred. It's like no, that's not it. Right, set it to yeah. two fifty. <laughs> yeah, on. it's interesting that the people have a lot of uh, patience for Freedom TX, and they're quite happy to sort of you know, oh, Freedom TX, wonderful. It's got a catchy name. But when Jumper or someone releases their one-off builds for, for their radios, like, why haven't we got OpenTX support? This is outrageous. <laughs> Funny bunch. I mean, the other thing I would like to see on kind of radio technology and complaining about all the PWM stuff, but if there was like servos that weren't PWM, if we had like the equivalent of like 32-bit servos mm-hmm. and like bi-directional servos, that'd be great. I love that. Like, actually have kind of an ESC built into the servo so you've got digital communication with it you mean I mean because you get digital servos but they're still mm. you're feeding in generally feeding in PWM and then it's you know de- decoding that and then it's doing stuff with its internal loops you know separately but if it forgot that and I mean you can get SBUS servos but if we had something a bit more sensible that could like more precise. feedback can be like this servo is, you know, um, uh, fully talked out, like it's saturated. I'm sure that could be useful. If, in, you know, you could That'd be, be quite like, useful. Yeah. And then you could get like force feedback at some point, maybe. 
And the server could tell you how, how long it was taking to reach a position, and you could mm. account for that in your flight controller. If there was some server lag, you could actually account for it in the flight controller. Yeah, if, if, if there was a, like, it could feed back all sorts of terms. It could feed back the angle that it is actually at, as well as the set point. It could feed back the, the, the current that it was using, i.e. the torque that it was having to do to, to get that, and whether it's, you know, completely... Uh, you know whether it's like the the voltage is is dropping that it's receiving. There's loads of interesting stuff that you could get out of that if you had another tiny little chip on there that was communicating back as well. That sounds like a bit of servos, though. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I bet if you looked at expensive robotics shops, you could find servos that do that. If you're willing to pay 120, 130 quid for a servo, so I started to look at the world of servos. Being a quad guy who's never looked for servos before, and I I, I bought. Two servers before I bought one that's the right size. That's how much of a noob I am. Uh, and I noticed you can spend three quid for a servo, and you can also spend £130 for a servo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and no, no, no. Essentially, look the same. No, me, me and Frank went to a, um, you know, like, you, like, you remember the, like, the drone e- exhibits? Like at the Excel Center, and you'd had, what were they called? Like the UAV something it was and like the you know the military the uav expo yeah yeah uav expo we went there and holy christ if you thought you knew what a servo was (laughs) you didn't i've got like a free pencil from the company and that's they gave me the pencil and hope that i would go away (laughs) because they they had like 300 pound servos like all outside aluminium like stepper motory kind of yeah. you know position sort of feedback and precision and like you know like it's life expectancy and weight was unbelievable i mean they they, they were selling one that could lift half a frank if you cut frank in <laughs> half it would lift well, this him. is like this is when you need a servo to like jack up your car to change the wheel or something the, these are servos to like release bombs off aircraft or something. You know, like that's, <laughs> these are probably the ones. Did you ever watch that program about where they deliberately crashed like um, a, a jet to see what mm, would happen? They put like yeah, dummies in the good. front, and they had what just looked like a massive metal box which would basically steer the plane. And they had some guy following it on a helicopter with, I think, some horrible spectrum transmitter <laughs> or something flying the seven four seven or whatever it was that way. <laughs> but, you know, at least he had to crash it, and he, he did that bit okay. Any yeah. of us could have crashed that plane. I, I don't see why, why a server that has crash. some amount of, like, cleverness in it like that would have to be that much more expensive than, like, a 32-bit ESC. It's just the supply and demand, really, isn't it? Like, they haven't got that many people. Have you seen how it. many people fly fixed wing? <laughs> yeah, but how, for many, that matter. how many people well, are prepared to pay for that feature set? You've got to have people that are prepared to buy it, right? It's it's like, why is DJI expensive? Why doesn't everyone run DJI? Well, it's expensive because few people want to buy it. If if, if they somehow managed to crack it and make it... So say DJI had no proprietary tech in there. It was just like a camera and everyone figured out how it worked, but it it still cost a lot. If we were looking at Connex, for example... Yeah, like you, you need people to buy into it and push the price down. And if people can fly their planes on five pound servos, five quid servos, why would they pay five more? Quid? That's rich for a servo, isn't it? <laughs> Half the planes behind me are exactly. on one ninety nine servos, and they seem to have done fine. 
Right. So, yeah. So people are perfectly happy with their Tesco value servos rather than anything that's a bit punchier. If you could well, convince people to go for it, they would, I'm sure. I mean, no one's buying the old original BL Heli or um, Simon K ESCs anymore, are they? They've moved on from that. I'm sure some people are. I guess all the fixed wing guys are still like, using their plush ESCs. 30 amp plush ESCs. There's one on the Bixler there. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the claim. problem. Part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's not broken. Don't fix it. Thinking of the uh, the fixed wing people, uh, the socks and sandals not. Um, there's there's a, a survey monkey survey that they've been sharing around, uh, asking for feedback on the bylaws on Dartmoor um, because they're looking to ban any form of model aircraft and drones, or you know one of the proposed bylaws would ban any model aircraft or drones on Dartmoor. Um, and there's like model gliding clubs on Dartmoor that are not very happy around that, so they're they're sharing it. Um, but I've I've put it in the LDO Discord. If if anyone is interested in in feeding back on that, oh, that's good to know. I did wonder if that link was only for residents of Dartmoor when I saw it. I was confused as to what the implication they, they, was. They do they do ask, you know, are you a visitor? Like, are you a local? Are you a business? But you know. Are you a member of any relevant organisations? So, you know, if you're BMFA or FPV UK, you might as well put that on there, that you're a member, even if you're not necessarily representative. You you can be a member and of what, one of those organisations. What would be a persuasive argument to, to soothe their ears? What, what should people the be telling The only reason I would come to the Dartmoor area <laughs> is to fly my drone slash plane slash model glider and mm. frequent local businesses while doing so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're really about local businesses, are they? Um, I mean, my my argument would be like, they're having to update the rules. Well, the CAA and the general rules are now published and you know out there, and they're going to be updated and more closely scrutinised and kept up to date, better than like dark more local bylaws. And they're going to be better publicised and better understood by model people or drone people. So just just leave it up to them. Just go go for those. Just not don't have anything specific. Just be like, there's other laws covering that. We don't need to. That would be my argument. Excellent. Yeah, I don't think we need more laws when the country already has laws in place to stop reckless and dangerous behaviour. Exactly. Right, anyway, on that note, um, you've been listening to Let's Throw Now, and we are massively thankful for all our patrons who support this show and keep it going um, as it slowly dies and gets dementia. (laughs) (laughs) Speak for yourself. You've been joined by Stephen. Hello. Uh, Everyone's favourite curry kitten. Goodbye. A Lord and Master Frank. Bye. And I've been Jack for until I fly. Don't forget. There's also we- the as as Clive has just posted in there, uh, the link ifpv.co.uk slash events slash one eight four is the link for the sign up for the first UK X class race. Uh, and they're also doing some open Exciting. spec wing racing, which I haven't actually got 
my head around what that means. Where will it be? Where will it be? Uh, it will be at Popham Airfield. Uh, it was going to be at Northolt, and then they needed more space, and Popham has more space. So they're going to be at Popham on the 16th of October. How cold do you reckon that's going to be? I'm going to pack gloves. Okay. Um, all right. Don't forget, guys, we're going to be over on uh, Patreon and we're going to do a bonus catch up talky show and uh, invite some of our friends. Is that right. free to come along and watch? Sorry, I'm interrupting Jack on the outro, but just for people that might want to watch, I can see no, there's an entry the, fee. There's, there's a, yeah, there's no if you're a $3. Is it three dollars? If your name's not down, you're not coming in. Why are we using American money? Why is it three dollars? That's how it. What? That's how it was set up. I think we're all talking about different things at the moment. I think we've got four different conversations going on. Awesome. Oh what you, you like? Curry's. I was talking about the inside FPV um, thing at Popham. Is it like a free thing for people that want to go along and watch? And why are they charging people three dollars? Yeah. No, the three dollars is nothing. <laughs> God damn it, we have got dementia. All right, you've been listening to Let's Drone Out. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Telemetry lost.